0: In the immortal words of Gil Scott Heron, the trucking revolution will not be televised. It will not be brought to you by your favorite broker, the nationwide retailer, or the truck stop across the street. It will not be the brand new OEM prototype, big data technocrats, or TikTok influencers. It will be brought to you by the drivers, owner operators, and the visionaries who are willing to take risks to disrupt a decade-old A business model that for years created their primary source of labor through the lens of a revolving door. The technological revolution has come to trial What will this revolution look like? Is there a better way? We find out in this episode of What Did not This Loaded and Rolling episode was made possible by our sponsor, Emerge. Focused on empowering and growing meaningful supply chain relationships, Emerge is proud to sponsor the Loaded and Rolling community. Through its freight procurement platform, Emerge offers solutions that enhance the spot and contract procurement process, enabling shippers to make the most strategic decisions possible. Learn more at www.emergemarket.com. Welcome to Loaded and Rolling. I'm your host. Thomas Watson, enterprise trucking carrier expert here at Freight Waves, we know that trucking is a hard job. Drivers struggle to make as much as they did in the past, with many in the media insisting on a driver shortage. You know, even the Bureau of Labor Statistics with the Department of Labor, they found that there's not actually a truck driver shortage. It's just that basically drivers aren't being paid enough. So if we saw the wages increase, then we would probably have less of a shortage. On top of that, the job has historically had extremely high turnover rates. There's
1: a lot of layers and nuances to it, right? You think about driver shortage, and then initially you think, okay, well, there's just not enough people willing to to drive. I think what I've learned in digging through and looking at the data is there are a lot of people who are, are able to drive, um, but um, the job itself maybe has a high, very high t- turnover rate. I think some of the stats I saw was that a, a lot of companies see almost, you know, 90% turnover rate um, in a year. So they're basically replenishing their workforce. For.
0: These factors, less pay, high turnover, they're creating a situation where modern trucking has a bit of an image problem. You know, when when you kind of looked at uh, folk movies in the 70s and 80s. Convoy. There was, yeah, yeah. yeah, there is always this, like, there is basically a folk hero with the American trucker, and now they're seen as, um, like, uneducated, overweight, all these sort of negative stereotypes now follow truck drivers. And I think that that's kind of a shock for them, especially for those who entered the industry um, in the late 20th century. Uh, They're kind of shocked that now they're no longer the American folk hero. They're kind of like the butt of the joke, basically. Pair that with a trucking business model that is a winner-take-all race to the bottom. And also, who can do it the cheapest? but the real question is, is there a better way?
1: I think our job in the industry is to say, the solution, what is the solution to the current driver shortage? Is it to add more drivers or is it actually going to exacerbate the problem? The solution is probably to just take the existing driver population and give them what they want which is actually drive more, reduce the dwell time. That is actually what will make the driver's lives better and eliminate the driver shortage.
0: One company hopes to transform the industry by placing the driver's needs first, since after all, they are the ones hauling the goods. Our next guest is part of a new breed of trucking companies that hopes to break the status quo and provide drivers with a better life, more freedom, and the pursuit of happiness. Today, we welcome Toby Huang. Toby joined AI Fleet after serving as a business consultant in the San Francisco Bay Area. Additionally, he was the co-founder and head of logistics operations at Headweave out of Berlin, Germany. He brings extensive experience in operations management, product development, and supply chain distribution networks. And in using these skills, he hopes to create technology that'll take the driving the trunking company from the ground up. We're talking full revolution here. Toby, welcome to the show. Thomas, thank you for having me. Happy to be here. I'm super excited to have you on. Uh, You know, great to see you again, especially out of Austin, Texas. You know, going, uh, you've come from the startup world. Uh, Describe a little bit, what was some of your experience in logistics and startups before coming to AI Fleet.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So I managed uh, the operations side of the business I co-founded, and it was mostly more on the supply chain management side of it. But I realized that, you know, there's so many links in the chain that at any point, if one of them breaks, you're completely bottlenecked. And so I would say that that was really a revelation to me that it's not something necessarily that you can do completely in parallel. It's something a lot of the times that has to be done in serial form. And as a result, one of the things that allows us to break the bottleneck is being as adaptable and as flexible as possible to the kind of release the bottleneck so that everything else can move forward. And I think the same is true in the trucking industry, either here or elsewhere in the world
0: today. And, you know, we're talking about bottlenecks, and I think you bring up a really good point. Right now, the supply chain since COVID has been literally racked by bottlenecks. Uh, what are some of the ways that these bottlenecks are just getting passed off onto the drivers?
1: Yeah, that's a really good question. I think one of the the main ways is that, you know, loads aren't ready at warehouses and their shipments basically aren't ready to go out, which means, of course, they can't reach their destination and reach the end user um, immediately or as quickly as possible. And a lot of the times that's not even the people at the warehouse's fault, although I would say a lot of the time it also gets attributed to or blamed on them. But it's again, it's isolating where that bottleneck is coming from. You know, a lot of the times it could be, it could actually be sourcing the problem internationally, or it could be something like the container ships. Um, I know there's at one point, I think there was over a hundred container ships off the coast of Los Angeles that needed to get uploaded. And so the product actually is in the system. It's just, it's just reached one of those bottlenecks that it's not able to push past. And so I really think that what we're trying to do is a small part of really revolutionizing the whole way the uh, logistics or just the supply chain, you know, passes through how everything passes through the system. I think, you know, no matter what you do, if it just, you push the bottleneck further up the chain, you still run into the same problem.
0: We, we have basically a need for speed. And I know for a lot of people, you know, trucking companies live and die based off of speed and utility. And so, you know, just how important is it to avoid the, like how big is speed in terms of when you guys are planning your loads and your day to day, like how big of an impact are any of these kind of delays?
1: They're huge because as you know, it's one of those things where, you know, when we have our next appointment books, um, you know, they're expecting us to be there at a certain point in time. And if we're delayed, you know, that means that either maybe we don't get there until, much later in the day where they're already backed up from all the other trucks and all the other drivers who've shown up during the course of the day. Or maybe it means that it actually has to wait till the next day. Now imagine that you're doing that just at the shipper and you're now delayed at the shipper by maybe half a day or even a full day. And then when you show up at the receiver, the receiver has the same problem except the receiver was expecting you on Tuesday and now you're showing up on Wednesday or Thursday. And so really what happens and what we've seen is that these kind of negative effects seem to cascade through the system. So when you start having a sort of a bad event and you're detained at a shipper, usually that also tends to lead towards detention at the receiver as well. And now imagine this, this is just one instance, but imagine this in a system-wide scenario. Um, Just last week, I remember we had a driver who he showed up to pick up a load and they said, we expected you to be here last last monday you know this was on tuesday so over a week ago they were waiting for him to show up he didn't know about the load until friday so there's actually no way that he would actually would have ever been there the previous monday but it's also that's the kind of there's a bottleneck in communication as well where the broker didn't communicate to the shipper that, that no nobody's going to be showing up this week to pick up your products and so when you have those kind of systematic delays of course, you're going to have you know bottlenecks elsewhere in the system that are just going to push the the supply chain problems even into a, a much bigger one of a much bigger magnitude.
0: I think you brought up a great point. You know, we we talk about technology and load boards and digital brokers, but what we don't talk about is the fact is it doesn't matter if the load was a digital load board or not. If you can't fix this communication issue, where if the shipper messes you up, now the downstream's messed up. Uh, it just feels almost like you're in a situation where you're beholden by other people and then the driver is the one, you know, dealing with the, the, the impact, right?
1: Absolutely. And I, I do want to say that I think, you know, as you alluded to in the in your, your intro there, you know, there is kind of becoming this negative um, association with truck drivers as those are the people that are delaying your goods from getting to you. But a lot of the times it's not, there's, it's totally out of their control. Um, a lot of times it's, you know, they may be sitting waiting at a warehouse to get loaded for six to eight hours. Of course, they're going to show up late when where nobody's budgeting six to eight hours at every warehouse to pick up your goods. But similarly, nobody's planning six to eight hours to unload your goods at the delivery. So again, though, it's one of those things where it's it's a problem systemically, I think, in the industry. A lot of warehouses that sometimes you go to um, they don't have enough workers. And so uh, the, the work people who are there are working as hard as they can. And, you know, if you have a hundred trucks to load and you only have 20 people to do it, of course, you're not going to get it done in a day. And that's just an extreme example, but that kind of thing, unfortunately does happen. And it is one of those things where everybody is actually acting. Um, I think with the best of intentions in a lot of cases, um, but that Part of the communication gets totally missed. And if that were the case, maybe there would be a solution which they actually tell people, don't bother showing up today because there's no possible way we can get this handled. We had 10 people call in sick, something like that. And, you know, there's, it's wasting everybody's time, including the drivers, including the carriers, including the brokers. Basically, there's, it's almost like a system wide lose lose, I would say. When there's no optimization that will solve this problem other than redirecting resources either elsewhere to address that bottleneck or redirecting those resources elsewhere to address other parts of the supply chain.
0: And I I think it's a great point. You know, they're being beholden by it's an issue of resources and time for a lot of drivers, the frustration is many are paid by the mile. So that time lost is literally time that they can't get back and that's money out of their pocket. Uh, a big thing with AI Fleet, you all have mentioned, especially as you go into your Series A and working on subsequent rounds, is a new business model focused on the drivers, being a driver-centric one. Uh, describe a little bit about, you know, what, what's what gone into it and, and what are some of the things you all are hoping to change compared to this current status quo?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So... As the, the the people were commenting in the intro, there isn't really a driver shortage. Uh, the, the problem is there's a shortage of driver utilization, meaning in many places, the driver is actually only moving, I would say 50 to 60% of their time. We aim to keep them moving as much as possible when they're not either being loaded or unloaded, or of course, you know, sleeping or taking their resets and things like that. Um, Because drivers are paid by the mile, they think about things in a totally different mindset where they only want to be on loads that actually are high mileage, of course, Um, but that doesn't account for other sort of constraints or other issues in just generally in in a system-wide optimization. Um, so one of the things we do also is, you know, for example, guarantee the drivers a salary. And I think this is important both, at least from my perspective, both on a on a practical perspective, but also on sort of, a, I would say, on an ethical level as well. Um, drivers today at some other companies, you know, you could be stuck at a shipper receiver for 24 hours. And I've had drivers tell me that they get paid seventy five dollars they're expected to wait around at the facility literally for 24 hours, and then they make $75, which is less than minimum wage. So I think the other thing that this, this tries to, uh, you know, in addition to solving things like driver turnover, because who really wants to work a job that's you know, paying you $75 for literally staying somewhere 24 hours, where you're probably not going to get much sleep or much rest. There may not be facilities for you to use the bathroom or to get food or anything like that. Um, In addition to that, I think trying to create a culture where employees feel engaged and valued, which I think, you know, the kind of modern research on this kind of stuff is showing that these are key to keeping uh, employees engaged and happy, which leads to better employee retention as well. Um, So those are just a few of the things that we're trying to solve, but I think there is actually a world in which you know, drivers are moving more often, which means they're producing more revenue for the company. And then in addition, we offer them, you know, in addition to sort of a guaranteed salary, we offer them a revenue share as well. So they share in the upside, which of course, leads them to be more motivated to produce more as well.
0: I think that's interesting. That's kind of a far cry compared to other carriers who can't really afford to either do these things or just choose not to. Um, You know, reading the news your company started with a handful of trucks and now closing up past 50 or 55 what's that been like how how has this been received this business model because it does appear to be if, it, if the fleets are growing something must be working here
1: <laughs> i well i certainly hope so you know i just had a tr- conversation with the driver this morning and i think one of the key elements is um we're always i think trying to improve and try to make the experience better for the drivers Of course, there are limitations to that. You know, there are things that we aren't willing to do, um, particularly when it comes to sort of compromising things like safety. We wouldn't be willing to do something that would compromise safety on behalf of making the driver happy. But the conversation I was having with the driver this morning was I was just asking him. I said, you know, you seem pretty happy, but honestly, is there something we can do better? And so we are always asking ourselves that question. Um, and then we're always really focused on making sure that the drivers have good experience here. And I think the key thing there is the assumption that if the drivers are happy, you know, these are good, hardworking people. They're also going to produce more for the company. And I think that our our data has kind of spoken for that assumption. Uh, it's sort of proved that assumption right, essentially. And so right now we just... We, we actually have a problem where we, we have a few too many drivers, I would say, applying. And it's, it's more of an issue of finding them good quality trucks because that's also a key, key component of the industry right now is, is that there's just really a shortage of, of replacement parts. There's a shortage of good quality trucks that won't break down. And these are, we have to remember that these are the, you know, essentially the driver's homes for five days a week, if not more. And, um, you know, there, if having you can imagine having your home breakdown or certain things not working and then being worried about potentially um, not being able to move um, and not being able to fulfill your obligations. It's a very stressful and a very taxing experience.
0: Has, has it gotten any better recently or is the equipment shortage still just having a huge impact on not only your plans to grow but even keep things running? Yeah,
1: it's definitely gotten a little bit better. Um, But it's one of those things where, you know, when we talk about the supply chain shortages, it is hitting, I know it's hitting a lot of automakers. Um, I know there's a lot large, general, there's the chip shortage is is something that's hitting, you know, the transportation industry pretty hard. Um, I think it is getting a little bit better, but we're definitely not out of the woods yet. And, you know, going back to something I was talking about earlier is that you know, once we deal with the chip shortage, maybe there are some actual physical, you know, non electronic parts that start constraining us. I obviously hope that that's not true, but it's it very much feels like something that people haven't managed to get out ahead of. It's more of a putting band-aids on the situation or putting out fires as they arise, rather than actually doing some, some preventative damage control.
0: Exactly, and I, I'm, I'm really interested, talking about technology and automation, it is AI fleet after all, like artificial intelligence. Um, How big a deal is the technology in terms of, you know, helping you all out?
1: It's, it's huge to be honest. And I would say it's, it's one of our big, I'd say competitive edges. Um, As anyone knows who's sort of tried to plan a driver on a consistent basis, there are an almost overwhelmingly large amount of options available. And then in addition, there are a huge number of constraints to consider as well. And so... What we have in house is proprietary software that essentially optimizes, um, routing and really scheduling for our drivers so that that we can maximize the revenue while also still maintaining important things like our home time guarantee, where we say the drivers can be home for at least 48 hours every weekend. If they choose to be making sure they don't have hours of service violations, uh, all of these sort of things, making sure that they're not speeding. They don't need to speed to meet any of their obligations, making sure also that they're showing up at the facilities on time. So we keep our obligations to both the brokers and the shippers and receivers. So I would say anyone who has ever tried to do this, this is, while it is possible to do it, maybe in this very short term, it is incredibly intellectually taxing once you consider the almost millions of, op- of different options or pathing, uh, pathing combinations that you could use to optimize a driver over even as short time as one week.
0: I think that's a great point. You know, you're getting to route, you're optimizing loads and getting to pick things. Um, you know, with this technology, not only are you able to give more attention to the driver, have you all received any, uh, any feedback from customers or brokers with the performance compared to other analog carriers that aren't fully digital?
1: Yeah, definitely. I think there's a trend right now, at least on the brokerage side, which I think is great. It's using technology for essentially tracking the shipments and tracking the drivers, not in any sort of privacy sense, although that is a, a real concern. Um, but it's really, you know, the, a lot of the analog brokers still have this process in place um, in order to, you know, update their customers about where their the product is and how close it is to the receiver They'll actually perform a check call where they will literally call every two hours, even in the middle of the night. They'll either call the dispatcher or they'll call the driver, which is incredibly disruptive, as you as you know, and, and as hopefully the uh, the viewers and listeners can imagine. Getting a call at two a.m. and then another one at four a.m. to find out where you are, only to tell them, of course, that no, I'm, I was sleeping. I actually I haven't moved any further. So that's just a very basic uh, thing that. That some of the more digital brokers have kind of integrated and utilizes ways to electronically track that in a way that's not disruptive or intrusive to the drivers or to the carriers. So those kind of things, those kind of initiatives, I think are you know using technology to address things that are either difficult, time consuming, or or, or unpleasant, or maybe some combination of the three. Uh, Those are really important ways in which um, the different. Uh, players and the different stakeholders in the industry can can use technology to kind of make make it better for everyone honestly it saves time for brokers it saves times for the dispatcher and it saves time for the dr- driver as well
0: uh, i like that i think uh you know kind of thinking of the final question here you know a, a lot of people talk about well the trucking business model is broken and so with the stuff that you all have right now um, you know, is there any potential ceiling to this in terms of scalability? I mean, it looks like with the process and technology, you know, do you think there is any limiting factor that would prevent you guys from, you know, continuing just to scale and explode growth?
1: I certainly hope not. <laughs> no, But for a more, <laughs> a more detailed answer, um, what I would say is, I think one of the things that's happened over the last, I want to say 10 to 20 years and what's really made this, in my mind, somewhat of a broken industry is a lack of trust, actually. And the lack of trust that that everybody is doing their best to, to keep everything moving, keep the product moving, keep the driver moving. And so I think one of the ways, one of the, the main impediments or potential impediments to our growth is just making sure that we maintain our commitment to To keeping the drivers happy and making sure that they have a good experience. And and part of that does mean keeping them moving, making sure that they're making as much money as they possibly can. I think the point at which we start to break promises, we start, uh, we start associating ourselves in the driver's mind with, you know, perhaps, uh, previous companies that they've dealt with where they've almost had sort of a bait and switch where they're lured in by promises of, oh, you'll have these hours and you'll make this much money. So, and then they find out, you know, six months down the line that that's not actually true or that they're not treated like people, they're treated like assets. And I think the more that we prove that we are different, then the easier our growth becomes. Similarly, the more that we do that, you know, doesn't distinguish us as being different, doesn't show that we care doesn't show that we're doing everything we can to kind of fix some of the problems and either be it the communication or on the technology side that have plagued the industry. I think the more that we we do those things that maybe kind of lump us in with just the industry as a whole, those are the things that will ultimately, you know, impede our growth and and really make it difficult to stand out in this in this quite competitive industry.
0: Completely agree. Being authentic and regaining trust are definitely key things. Toby, thank you so much for joining us. Super excited. You can check Toby out on LinkedIn or AI Fleet at www.aifleet.com or www.theaifleet.com. Think artificial intelligence. Again, excited for the future. Thank you so much, Toby. Thank you, Thomas. Really enjoyed talking with you today. It's a pleasure. That's a wrap for the show. Catch us on Monday again, 2.30 p.m. Eastern every Monday. We'll do it live.